Um, and two years later, uh, being, in, being a New Yorker, the New York Mets, the Miracle Mets, won the World Series. Um, and being a Mets fan from that date on, or from previous to that date on, um, those two events, Israel and baseball, certainly uh, uh, put me to where I am today, which is living in Israel and, uh, and running the national teams of, of, uh, of Israel as the, as the general manager. Awesome. That was like a really, really good and very concise, possibly too concise, uh, synopsis of your life. I, I feel though, Peter. I, <laughs> I thought that was what was interesting. Interesting, your your listeners. Listen, was, was of interest. Not that I got married. Not that I had three kids. Uh, not that I went to college. Not that I started working. That's just uh, other stuff. Oh, all that fluff, irrelevant stuff. Um, of course. <laughs> well, listen. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, I don't know that everyone that that uh, loves you and was uh, in that in that grouping, like you know, the got married, have have three kids, would would love that so much. Uh, <laughs> But, um, you know, listen, it's okay because really, I mean, right now, Peter, it's it's all about Team Israel. It is. And I'm sure your family's awesome and everyone that you, you spoke of in, in this peripheral uh, situation. But you and I did meet because of baseball. And I think something that you and I share, um, well, I think we, we share a lot of, like, common interests and thoughts. But we both love Israel. And we both love baseball. Now, you have clearly just outsmarted me because you have gotten to the level of involving both of those two people. So, oh, Grandmaster of Knowledge, you must teach me more so I can be more involved and, and really learn how to – I mean, like, who doesn't want to put together all the things that they love, right? So, okay, everyone, Peter is going to tell us, like, how to start doing that moving forward. But – Having said that, I mean, I, I, I respect you very much. I mean, the Mets thing I don't totally understand, but that's okay. Because my father's from the Bronx. Hi, Dad. I know he's listening. So we were automatically Yankees fans. Um, right. And, Unfortunately. And I, I'm sorry for you. I'm really, I'm really yes. disappointed for you and your father. <laughs> listen, listen. I... You know, when I when I graduate, you'll appreciate this, and I hope the, the listeners will. When I graduated college, my mentor teacher, Ali Kanzo El Ghori, what an interesting man. Um, but that's like another show in and of itself. Says, I want to know what is your dream job, and I said, Well, you know, Doctor Doctor El Ghori, I have two dream jobs. He's like, Okay, put them on paper. So I did. One was working for the New York Yankees as the, you know press and public uh, relations situation, you know, um, the Steinbrenner family did not find me. They did not offer me the job like the George Costanza Seinfeld job. And I'm going to reference Seinfeld because every Israeli knows Seinfeld. Um, yes. You know, I mean, obviously it would have been far more competent than George, you know, but uh, that being said, uh, they did not find me and offer me my dream job. So the way that things work and, you know, I do think Hashem works in very, um, Sometimes they're mysterious ways, and sometimes they're blatantly obvious, like, hello, hello, the blinking light, this way, this way. Through a series of, like, random events, I ended up getting hired at the Israeli government, the Consulate of Israel in uh, Boston. 
And it was amazing. And I did do that. That was the other job on the dream job sheet. All so, right. So you yeah. did do something. I, I know, right? right? I did good. something. Not a lot, but a few things, right? <laughs> Let me give you some tips. Let me give you some tips. First of all, if you're talking about the dream job with the Yankees, well, these, past, uh, these last two weeks, I really had the dream position because I was with Team Israel um, as a general manager. But even better, the, the MLB put gave us a liaison, as they do every time for PR. Yeah. Oh, um, right. and, and, and in 2017, they gave us somebody who I didn't even remember today what his name is. Um, but this time around, uh, they gave us Jay Horowitz. And anybody who's been a Mets fan like I have for the last 55 years, um, everybody knows Jay Horowitz. I mean, Jay Horowitz is a legendary PR guy for the New York Mets. And they gave they, he, he was our PR guy for those two weeks in, in Florida. Hello. And it was just a pleasure being with Jay Horowitz and spending time with him. Obviously, he got us some nice interviews with the press and everything, mm-hmm. which was great. Um, but just having him there, and he was such a – funny guy and he was uh he was so happy to be with us and so happy to be with team israel um and that was that was a great experience but to get back to 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 my two things um first of all what you need to do my advice to you is to pack your bags and move to israel which is what i did 35 years ago um so that that to israel leas leas peter it is the plan I is the plan okay but as you know i mean i was also i also spent five years in the states uh, I actually came to Israel in my early 20s after I, I went around the world um, in Asia, traveling through Asia after college, as many people do. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people did it back then in the 1980s. Um, but we actually got to Israel after that. And I did my master's degree here in Israel. And I married my wife. And then we went to America for one year in order to have her see what, what it's like, because she's Israeli, she's Israeli, uh-huh. in order to have her see what it's like to live in the States and to be with my family in the States. And one year became five years in New York um, and became two kids who were born in New York. Okay. But after five years in New York, we said, that's it. And I said, that's it. And we packed up our bags. And in, um, in 1989, we returned to Israel. So that okay. was, that's the first step that you need to do. That, that's a big step. Okay. You need to do that. <laughs> and believe me, Israel in 1989 was a lot different than Israel today. Uh, oh, so oh I am sure. It was a lot more difficult. And I used to actually I used to go to the American embassy like once or twice a week to be able to read newspapers to see what was going on with the Mets um, because there was no, you know, there was no Wi-Fi and there was no ESPN. Right. Uh, and then, but there actually was later on in the 1990s, and whoever was here in Israel will remember that, um, there was actually a television station in South Lebanon oh. where if you had a really good antenna, uh, you could really catch the – that station, and they have baseball once a week. So, Peter, uh, Peter, so we're going really to – We have to yeah. pause for a second because I think you're using words that some of our listeners, depending on their age, may not understand. A newspaper is how people used to get news in print, and it was like bigger-sized paper. You would get ink all over your hands. That was called, that was right. a newspaper, and then these and, newspapers, and, these <laughs> newspapers were a week old. Let's not yeah, that I know. <laughs> they were a week old. They weren't today's newspaper. How is the mess doing? I don't know. Two minutes ago. Please so, take your commercial break. So, so Peter's hands are full of ink, and he's d- pushing the antenna like a metal stick but coming out of a television. I'm in the American Embassy. I'm reading newspapers in the American Embassy. In the reading room of the American Embassy. You have to take your break now. Do you have no, to say? No, we are, we are okay. We are. That we are okay. And um, 
Yeah. So, and, and I'm trying to think of the name of newspaper in Hebrew, but don't tell me because I really want to think about it because it is on my Hebrew app and I laugh every time it comes on. Cause I'm thinking, does anyone read a newspaper anymore? Like, I don't know. And I'm not being disrespectful to the times or anything else, but I'm just like, who reads a newspaper? But, um, well, oh, I, my. I, have an, I, have, I have an app with the New York Times, so I read the yeah. New York Times every day, at least the headlines and everything. I try to, but that's on my app. But you so read when I do get to New York, I'm able to buy the newspaper. I love having the newspaper in my hands, uh, especially the Sunday Times. Well, yeah. nothing like the Sunday Times. There is nothing like the Sunday Times, and that crossword <clears> puzzle either, you know, makes me very happy or it just makes me want to throw it in the garbage. So. Right. But, but yeah. I have another story. When I was, how I got involved with baseball, uh-huh. um, in, in, 1980, in 1999, when my son was uh, 10 years old, um, I was in Miluim, which is reserve duty, um, and I was there, and I was, and somebody was telling me that there's baseball in Tel Aviv, and I didn't believe it because I knew that there was no baseball in Israel. Uh, but evidently there was baseball in Tel Aviv, and I took my son there. I said to my son, would you like to go? And he had no idea what baseball was. He did a little bit because he had a little bit of an idea because they used to go to the States every summer. Um, but he said, sure. And I took him to Park Ayakon in Tel Aviv, um, and there was a coach there, Leon. He was coaching the team, and uh, my son joined them, and I was sitting on the sidelines, and Leon came over to me and said, do you want to help me, do you want to help me coach? And I said, listen, Leon, I've never coached baseball before. I've been mean, a player, and I... I played softball and mm-hmm. I know baseball because I'm a fan, but I never really coached baseball before. And he said, don't worry about it. You know a lot more than these 10-year-old kids. <laughs> and he had me assisting him <clears throat> and working with him there in Tel Aviv. And every, every, Friday, uh, more, every Friday afternoon, I would bring my son and I'd be the assistant coach. And after about a month, Leon comes to me and says, listen, I'm moving up north. Um, you got to take over and be the head coach for this team. And I said, my God, Leon, how can I be the head coach for this team? I don't know anything about baseball, about coaching baseball. And he said, don't worry, I'll teach you a few exercises, and you can do these exercises with them, and everything will be fine. And I said, okay, and I was coaching the team, and a couple of months later, Leon came to me again because he was the, uh, the president of the IAB at the time, the Israel Association of Baseball. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, listen, I want you to take a, a team overseas, a national team overseas. And I said to him, you must be kidding. How can I take a national team overseas? I didn't even know. I've been coaching for two months. <laughs> you, know, you want me to take a national team overseas now? And he said, yeah, yeah, don't worry. I'll give you a guy. Um, he's, in, he's in the army I've now. I've got a guy. Um, It'll be fine. I've got a guy. I've got a guy. He's in the army now. He'll be your coach. He'll be the real coach. You just you you'll be the responsible parent. You just look you pretty. You just kids. look pretty, Peter. Exactly. Look pretty. You look pretty and responsible. So I need you to take 15 kids over to over to Holland. That's where the tournament is. And make sure you bring back the same 15 kids and not 15 other kids. Yeah, please so. please don't trade them in. For some, some parents might be a little sad. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So well, assume, no problem, no problem. Um, and this 19-year-old kid that he gave me uh, to be the actual coach uh, was somebody named Shlomo Lippitz. And anybody who knows Israel baseball yeah. uh, knows that Shlomo Lippitz today, what is it, 24 years later, um, is still playing baseball for the Israel national team. Yeah. Uh, was with us this past uh, this past month. In, in Florida, yeah. um, was, was with the team in the two exhibition games. Yeah. <clears throat> Some Olympics will be with Team Israel also in September uh, when we go to Prague for the European Championship. Fantastic. And Olympics has been with Team Israel every year. He's come on the national team. Um, and that was my first exposure to him 23 years ago. He was the coach. Um, by the way, on that team of 10-year-olds, first of all, we lost every game. We lost That's every okay. game in Holland. That was okay. It was our first, uh, our first uh, fire. Uh, we lost every game there, but there was a, there was a rainout one day, and we did go bowling with the with the Dutch team. 
um, because the Dutch team, the kids didn't know English, even though they were only 10 years old, they all knew English and everything. So we had a really good time with the bowling. Um, and later on, there was actually one kid from that Dutch team who made the major leagues, um, and he was playing for Seattle, and he was a major leaguer, so that was nice. But among the kids on that team, on that 10-year-old team, were uh, four kids who were still involved in baseball even today, 23 years later. So wow. one of those kids was a nine-year-old. He was the youngest one on the team. His name was Alon Leishman. And Alon Leishman today is the assistant pitching coach for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and he still plays for Team Israel. He played first in the Olympics. Nice. Um, so he's really made a successful career for himself in baseball, in professional baseball. Um, the other one is my son, Amit Kurtz. He's on the board of directors of the IAB. Um, there's also Ophir Katz, who was, uh, who was the, the national director last year for the IAB. Um, and there's a couple of other people also involved, also involved with baseball in Israel who were on that team 23 years ago. So that was a quite that a successful is, uh, team that I took overseas. And from there, I was just sucked into baseball. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of worse things you could be sucked into. Um, Definitely. But, but it's it's also nice when, you know, you're putting your son in something that you care about and then, you know, the, the, the kid actually really wants to do it. And obviously, because your son is involved and still on the board, that that worked out nicely because, you know, sometimes as yes. parents, we, we try to, like, you know, live through our kids. But this time it worked out. So I just want to, you know, take before before we take a pause and remind everyone what we're listening to, I just want to say for all of my Israelis out there, oh, listen to that. Peter is telling you that baseball has been existing in Israel and continues to exist and will only grow stronger and stronger and stronger but it is in Israel. So <laughs> that is the con- What do you mean? We have yes. a team? I'm like, yes. So this is yes, the real do. reason Peter is on here because he is telling us from the ground, he is, he is talking to us from Israel on CRS radio station, the knowledge station, and we are with Talk Israel, our program. I am your host, Anya Farber, so I thank everyone for listening. So, Peter, I love those stories. I love that, um, and I did meet Shlomo. What a, he's a very, very nice guy. Um, I think yes. he was one of the first to sign my son's glove. Um, okay. And I think nice. one of the the only people we're missing is Jordy was just like MIA. So Jordy, if you are listening, my son is still waiting for your signature on that glove. Um, but that was such an experience. So I would like to just transition for a second because you mentioned the Olympics, you mentioned the World Baseball Classic, but we didn't really get to get into it. So I want to just say that, you know, uh, I went down with my son. My son is 15. His dream is to play for Team Israel. And it's funny because, you know, people say, oh, like, you know, do you want to play in college to him? And he was like, no, I just really want to play for Team Israel. (laughs) And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I want to play for Team Israel. He's like, that's what I care about. I mean, uh, and and listen to me as someone who obviously loves baseball and loves Israel. That's like oh yay, the perfect merging of everything. So that being said, we went down and um, we went down and um, we went to the screening of the movie. And uh, Jeremy Newberger is going to be on Talk Israel in a couple weeks, talking about both the documentary films they made about. Team Israel, but also about the new project they're working on with the uh, anti-Semitism on college campuses in the U.S., which I'm very um, interested to hear from him about. But the movie was great, and I think um, a few things came up that I'd like you to just, you know, talk about a, a little bit, if you don't mind. 
you know, I sure. I have to say that, you know, one of the things I mentioned to Jeremy after the film was I said, that was amazing because I was like happy. I was angry. I was sad. I was like a million things. And at one point my son like looks at me and he's like, don't cry. <laughs> Cause I am, I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. Like, but it was very emotional. Like they were talking about, you know, your experience in Tokyo. So which, what should have been the 2020 Olympics, which became the 2021 uh, because of this crazy pandemic thing that we all had going on. And there was a few things that I kind of wanted to just ask you directly that um, I know that, um, and I, and I have to say before I even go into this, because I do not want to forget to thank Eric Holtz because Without Eric, I would not have I would not have been able to uh, meet with you, and we would not be here today. And Eric um, Eric Holt has been involved thank with you, Eric. Team Israel, so thank you, Todarba. I mean, really, Eric, you are a mensch of mensches, and um, he has. Let, his... let me tell you a little story that I had with Eric uh, in 2017. Israel is in the uh, World Baseball Classic. That yeah. was the last time we were there. <clears throat> that was the. Um... <clears throat> Excuse me, I still don't have much of a voice after coming back from, uh, okay. from my head. Um, so in 2017, we were the uh, uh, Jamaican bobsled team, as ESPN <laughs> called us, because we were uh, miraculously uh, uh, went through the qualifiers in 2016 in Brooklyn. Um, we were the last team to make the WBC, and, and nobody gave us much of a chance. And in the end, we went to Korea, and we won the first three games there. We beat Korea, we beat Taiwan, and we beat Holland. And then we went yeah. to the second round, and we we defeated uh, we defeated Cuba, and then we lost, and it came down to Earth and we lost to Holland and to Japan. So we ended up in sixth place in the WBC in 2017. But in 2018, um, Eric was our was our manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the European Championship. We went to the B pool of the European Championship. That's where that's where Team Israel was, as Team Israel made up of Israeli citizens. Okay, because for the European Championship and for other national tournaments. You can only use Israeli citizens as players. In the WBC, because of the heritage rule, the unique heritage rule of the WBC, you can use anybody who can be eligible for citizenship. Correct. So because Israel has what's called the law of return, Mm -hmm. where anybody who has a Jewish grandparent or is married to somebody who has a Jewish grandparent can automatically come to Israel and get citizenship. Therefore, anybody who who meets those criteria can also play for Team Israel in the WBC. But in the Olympics and in all national tournaments, you have to be an Israeli citizen. So Eric took us in 2018 to the B pool of the European Championship. We were someplace in the middle, some, uh, you know, third or fourth place, I think, in the European Championship, which meant that there were three other teams above us in in the B pool. And there were another 16 teams above us in the A pool, where we never had reached before. And after 2018, after the tournament, I was in New York. And the WBSC, the WBSC is the World Baseball Softball Confederation. They're the world body for baseball all over the world. Um, They were able to get baseball back into the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. And there was a certain qualifying situation um, where teams from Europe, for example, if you were in the B pool in Europe, you could play in the tournament in 2019. And if you won the B pool, then you had to play in the other, you had to play the winner of the other B pool and you had to beat them, and then you had to go to the A pool, and then you had to go to the qualifiers, the, Europe, the, the Olympic qualifiers. Right. So I sat with Eric in 2018 in a Holiday Inn, a Holiday Inn Express 
for breakfast in uh, in Manhattan. We came into Manhattan, and I mentioned Holiday Inn Express because anybody who's been in the Holiday Inn Express yeah. knows what kind of breakfast they have. Yeah, and and uh, we're not getting know, pl- we're the, not getting paid by Holiday Inn Express, but you know you should feel free to send Peter no. something nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you know what kind of breakfast they oh, have? Oh, I do, yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the eggs and the uh, bacon and whatever. <laughs> um, so I sat there with Eric, and I took out a napkin, and I said to Eric, listen, we're in the 20, we were in 2018 in the Bee Pool. Uh, in 2019, in 20, in 2019 we'll get, we'll, once we get be in the Bee Pool, mm-hmm. uh, we have to win the Bee Pool, uh, which is going to be in um, in, in uh, Blavogard, Bulgaria. Um, wow, okay. But we're gonna, and, then, and then in order to, and then we have to, and then two weeks later we have to go to, this is the winner of the other B pool. We have to play them, and then we have to go to the A pool in, uh, in 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 a month later. And then from there we go to Italy to the and the A pool was in Germany. And then a week later we go to Italy for the Europe for the Olympic qualifiers. And I'm marking this all out in a napkin. And Eric is looking at me like, you know, you must be crazy. How are we <laughs> going to do that? And I said to him, Listen, we're going to take players from the 2017 WBC team. Um, Jewish American players, mm-hmm. and we're going to make them Israelis. We're going to bring them on Aliyah, and we're going to make them Israelis, and then we'll have at least 10 American Jews who will play together with the Israeli Sabres, and we'll have a really good team, and we'll go to the, the B-Pool. And Eric was like, you're nuts. You're crazy. How, can, how are you going to do that? You know, you're, you're crazy. And I said to him, don't worry about it. We'll do it. And he said, listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, six months later, I brought over 10 players from our Europe, from our 2017 WBC team, um, including guys like John Muscott and, uh, and uh, Blake Galen um, and a few others, and, and Alex Katz and some others, and they came to Israel. They spent a week in Israel, a citizenship, and they very happily went to the, uh, to the interior ministry in Israel and got their Israeli passports, and they were thrilled by it, and everybody was happy with it. And in, in the summer of 2019, we went to Blavogard, Bulgaria, um, a real hotbed of baseball in Bulgaria, um, and in the middle of a beautiful forest. It's an amazing area. It's just a pity there's no there's no coverage of it. There's no video of it or anything like that. Um, but it, it was an incredible era. We have our own pictures of it. Um, unfortunately, I did not realize that the other teams, um, which were, for example, Ireland and uh, Ireland was one of them, and uh, uh, Russia was one of them. So the, the Irish team was filled with Irish-American players who had gotten Irish citizenship. Um, and the, the Russian team was filled with, had six Cubans on their team uh, who had gotten Russian citizenship Ooh. magically from somehow. I don't know how they did that, um, but they all had Russian passports. Okay. And we played in that tournament, and it was an incredible tournament. We, played, we actually played Russia in the middle of the tournament. Um, and you we you played Cuba? Went to extra innings. <laughs> Well, Cuba, yes, Russia, Cuba. Um, and it, it was tied after nine innings, so we went to the 10th inning. And in baseball in Europe, in the 10th inning, you get runners at first and second base. And Russia, in the top of the 10th inning, scored four runs. And we were all bummed out and everything, but we were still confident. And in the bottom of the 10th inning, we scored five runs and defeated Russia uh, in that tournament game. And we ended up beating Russia again in the finals. Um, and we defeated Russia, and we won all the games in, in Blavogard, Bulgaria. Uh, and two weeks later, we had to go to Lithuania because Lithuania won the other pool, uh, and they were going to host a, a, a three-game series between Israel and Lithuania to see who would go up to the A pool a month later in Germany. And uh, Lithuania did not have a baseball field, although they did they they did have a baseball field, but they didn't have a current baseball field. And in the two weeks uh, leading up to it, they had to redo the baseball field. It was in the middle of a racetrack, of a horse racetrack. Um, in which the lights were pointing out to the racetrack and not into the baseball field. Um, oh. So we had to have all the games on during the day because they couldn't be at night. 
Um, and we went to we went to Lithuania, and we easily defeated the Lithuanian national team in two games. We didn't have to play a third game. Um, and actually, we spent one day in the capital of Lithuania there, touring the city, um, having a nice Jewish tour of the city of, uh, of the city there. Of uh, I forget the name of the capital, right? Of Vilnius. Vilnius has a lot of Jewish history. Yeah. Um, and that was really great. And a month later, we had to go to Germany for the European Championship April which we'd never been in the April before. Um, and for this, I said to, I said, I spoke to some other guys and I said, uh, I spoke to Danny Valencia and mm-hmm. I spoke to um, Ty Kelly and I spoke to a few other players and four and five more players came to Israel in that month and made Aliyah and also got Israeli citizenship. And we went to, we went to Germany um, playing in the field, by the way, the, uh, the sponsor of the, of the tournament uh, out of the scoreboard in Germany um, was the German gas company. Oh. So that was a little bit ironic as an Israeli. And this was actually the first Israeli national team ever to play a team sport in Germany on German soil. I so love it was very, that. It's historic. Yes, yes. No, it was very meaningful for a lot and, of people. And baseball. With baseball. 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 So we went to Germany um, and we ended up winning uh, our, there was a pool play um, and we ended up winning our first four games. Two of them were very, very close games uh, against the German team. We also won in the 10th inning. We got a couple of runs in the bottom of the 10th inning and defeated yeah. Germany. Um, and then we moved on. We, we um, the, the top five teams from that tournament were going to move on the following week to the European, the, sorry, the Olympic qualifiers for the, for the European Teams mm. plus South Africa for the Europe South for the Europe African uh, representative in the Olympics. There was going to be one representative. So in that European Championship, Holland came in first, Italy came in second place, Spain came in third place, Israel came in fourth place, and the Czech Republic came in fifth place. And those five teams then flew to Italy, um, where we met with uh, South Africa, who was a South African representative. And in our first game, we played Spain, who was the number three team. We were the number four team in the European Championship. Um, and we had lost to them in the European tournament, and we ended up defeating them in the first game. The second game was against Holland, which was the number one team, um, just a week before, and we ended up defeating Holland. And in the third game, in Italy, in, uh, in, in the stadium in Italy, filled with uh, about 10,000 screaming Italian fans, uh, we ended up defeating Team Italy as well. So we found ourselves 3-0 against the three top teams in Europe just a week before, um, and we were sitting pretty. And the fourth game was against the Czech Republic. And if we defeated the Czech, Czech Republic, we would be the European representative in the Olympics. Naturally, we lost to the Czech Republic. Uh, so we had to wait until the final game when we played South Africa. Yeah. And in that final game, we defeated South Africa in eight innings because we had a run differential. Um, and the coach actually put in, uh, Eric actually put in Shlomo Lippitz in the eighth inning to pitch the last inning. And Shlomo pitched the last inning. And the ball went out to the outfield. The last out was in the outfield. And Israel was in the Tokyo Olympics. I, I believe. I believe celebrating that, and everything. Yes. I believe that was featured in the, in, in the film. Yes. Swinging for gold. That was featured in the film. Yes. Because that, um, that was I like a home, crying came, moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I came back to Israel uh, a few days later. And I met with the Israel Olympic Committee. And they were thrilled to have a baseball team because I told them a year before this was our plan. This is what we were doing. Uh-huh. We wanted their support. And they said, listen, we can't give you any financial support. If you qualify, come back to us. 
Okay. So I qualified. They, they yeah. were very skeptical about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, um, the <laughs> Okay. So, so I, I want I to... Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Peter. I, I just I came back to them, and uh, they were in shock because at that time they had about 35 athletes going to Tokyo, mm-hmm. um, and I brought them another 24 baseball players. Yes. So I almost doubled the, the, the size yes, of the delegation. Yes, not only that, but they were also, and, and, and they didn't have much of a budget, so they had to demand a bigger budget from the government. Yeah. Um, and in addition to that, they were very proud because the 35 people were evenly divided between men and women. I guess 35 cannot be evenly, evenly divided, but it was probably 17, 18 yeah. uh, men and women. And all of a sudden, I brought 24 men to be there, so they did not have uh, uh, an even uh, distribution. But in the end, there were about 60, I think there were 65 uh, representatives going to Tokyo for uh, the state of Israel, and the rest is history, which I can talk on, but you wanted to ask a question, so I, I do, I do, I want to ask a question. I am almost going to go backwards a little bit, but I just want to, you know, again, remind everyone that this is indeed CRS Radio, the Knowledge Network, and you are listening to Talk Israel with Anya Farber and our maiden voyage guest, and I love that Peter went on the little sailing, you know, journey with me and uh you know he's my co-captain uh whatever we again another word in hebrew i should know but i can't maybe once the broadcast is over i'll go like oh yeah that's very easy it's captain okay yeah but i'm still working on the paper i think it's like i told but i don't know but let's not we'll we'll get back to the trivia and how on you oh yay Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, see? Thank you, Duolingo, who I am not getting paid by, but maybe they should stop making me pay because I just plugged them on the air. But I want to go back for a second because okay. I remember when I talked, when I spoke to Eric and just a couple of the other players, I want to just pause because you mentioned something about when you guys were playing in Germany, and I wanted to ask you very pointedly, like, what? Look, I think the fact, like you said, okay, so we're the first, you know, team, right, Israeli team of anything in Germany playing in in an organized sporting event. And, again, baseball, to all the Israelis listening, low football, baseball. I'm really trying to get my my arms around the whole football thing. And, by the way, Americans, when I say football, I'm not talking about what in the States they call soccer. When I talk about American football, I say American football because I am indeed moving to Israel, so I do need to get on board with how things are referred. Um, that being said, there is something very, very uh, monumental, emotional, and significant in so many, many ways. I didn't even know about the scoreboard part. So the fact that you're like you guys are playing in Germany, and I can't imagine um and yes uh, you know i am someone who you know i did the whole teen trip you know i went to poland to to study about the holocaust and then to israel as a teenager through united synagogue youth um but and i did go on to lecture about the holocaust for many years to high school students because i do think it's important because a lot of people don't really understand but the significance of that and i'm just wondering like to look up at the scoreboard and it being sponsored by the gas company which to me, I would just be like, oh, hell yeah, we're going to come out of here winning. Like, like there's yes. just no other option, right? And I'm, and I'm, and I'm yes. thinking that even to the players who, you know, I, I would have to say that, you know, most of these players are in their young 20s and, you know, maybe they haven't 
you know, it doesn't matter Jewish or not Jewish. Like some people are far more, you know, interested in history and know more about history than others. And that's neither here nor there. But um, I think that even someone who wasn't like studying it and, and, you know, maybe learned whatever they learned in school to know the significance, to feel that the power behind you guys, the emotional power must have been so overwhelming. And, I I mean, there had to have been, like, tears shed at the end of that game, like, tears of just utter, like, we are, we are here, we are strong, we are, we are, you know, we are taking a stand. And in a way, the Team Israel's win was a statement. Yes. This is one thing that you learn uh, being with a Jewish baseball team, even though they're baseball players, they're first and foremost Jews. Yes. And uh, I hate to, to mention this, but I guess I'm mentioning it on the air now because I guess most of our audience is, is Jewish. Um, there's a certain level of sophistication and uh, education and whatever uh, among Jewish baseball players that's not the same as regular baseball players. And the kids feel it because it's the first time they've ever been playing on a team with all, that are all filled well, with Jews, except for the Israeli Sabras. Okay, right. except for the Israeli Sabras who grew up in Israel, obviously. The American Jews... You know, they played on baseball teams where maybe there maybe there's another Jewish player on the team. Yeah. Um, and certainly, you know, a lot of these guys are from California, from Southern California. And when they were growing up, they knew each other. But then when they started playing minor league ball, they lost touch. And then all of a sudden, they come to a certain city and they see somebody they know on another team. Yeah. And he's also Jewish, and maybe they go out in the evening and everything. Yeah. But basically, you know, you're talking about ju- about jocks, baseball jocks who are. You know, I don't know what they talk about, you know, during during their travels and everything and their bus trips and everything, but I do know what Team Israel players talk about. And they talk about things like the stock market, and they talk about things like politics and where to invest money, um, and, and they talk about worldly, worldly activities that are going on. Mm. And certainly the guys that were in Germany at the time were very much talking about what the that means to be in Germany as a Jewish baseball team, as an Israeli baseball team, to have yeah. Israel across your chest to stand for Hatikva, um, for all those games at the beginning of every game. That's an extremely emotional thing. Um, and you even see it today in the baseball team that was at the WBC today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last week. Um, you know, the guys were just overwhelmed by emotion. Guys yeah. who, for, for them, it's the first time. Every time I stand the lines when I hear Hatikva, um, it's just, I, I'm over, I mean, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm used to it already. I'm still overwhelmed by it every time. Yeah. Um, and I sing as, as loud as I can because I know most of the guys do not know Antifa. <laughs> Although on this team, a lot of them try to try to learn it. Yeah. Shlomo Lippitz sent sent a WhatsApp to everybody with the words of Antifa nice. um, in English. And the transliteration, uh, nice. Transliteration, exactly. Um, but this team in Germany was special because they definitely understood that they were in Germany and that they were doing something else um, for Israel and to get to the Olympics. And the Olympics was big. Yeah. To be, you know, baseball been in the Olympics for about 12 years before that. Um, and they understood. They understood very well that they had a good opportunity to make the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and they needed to beat. They needed to defeat Team Germany, which we did in the 10th inning, as I mentioned, which was a very dramatic and emotional win. Um, but we also needed to defeat Italy and Holland, who were the two superpowers of baseball in Europe. Um, they always win the tournaments. And to be able to win a tournament especially a qualifying tournament for the Olympics yes. and to defeat both Holland and Italy yes. um, was an incredible feat. Yes. And I remember in that last game in Italy when that ball was caught by Simon Rosenbaum in right field and Team Israel was in the Olympics. It was just, I was crying and it was very, and I was there with my son and they were hugging each other 
and it was extremely emotional moment then uh, for me personally because everything I got through with the team over those years. Yeah. Um, and and what happened after that also, which I can talk about, but um, you know, again, we were. It was it was the summer of 2019, and in 10 months we were supposed to go to Tokyo. Um, and unfortunately, in, in March of 2020, right. uh, something happened all over the world. Yeah, something um, called which, COVID. Uh, which resulted in, yeah, something called COVID. Um, actually, before COVID, um, we had, I had brought over four additional players in, in November of 2019 mm. over to Israel to become citizens, uh, Jazide and Ryan LaVarnway, um, among others. They were there in 2019. Correct. And in the beginning of 2020, um, probably the most decorated Jewish baseball player, major leaguer, who, uh, who was also an all four-time all-star, Ian Kinsler, announced Correct. his retirement. Yeah. And I had been in touch with Ian before about playing for us in the WBC. Um, he, he said he couldn't play for us in the WBC in 2017 uh, because his manager uh, was the manager of the WBC team. So he said uh. he really had to play for them. So he played for the USA team yeah, because of uh, the Detroit Yes. <clears throat> but when he retired in 2020, he said, yeah, he'd love to play for us. He'd love to play for Israel. He'd love to play at the Olympics. It was a lifelong dream of his. And I said to him, okay, you've got to come to Israel. You've got to get citizenship. You've got to fill out all the forms and everything. Yeah. He filled out all the forms. And the plan was for him and his wife to come to Israel in May of 2020. And in, in the end of February of 2020, I gave him a call. I said, listen, Ian, something is going on in the world. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what it is, you know, some disease, dreaded disease. And I need you to come next week to Israel if you can uh, to get your citizenship. And he said, yeah, no problem. Um, and him and his wife, a few days later, got on a flight from Dallas to New York uh, in order to come to Tel Aviv. And he calls me up from New York and he tells me, listen, tell me what's, what's going on over in Israel. I understand they might be closing the airport. And I said to him, no, 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 it's okay. Don't worry. Get on the plane. I'll be picking you up. I'll take care of everything. Yeah. Not knowing at all if he would be able to make it or not. <laughs> but being the usual Israeli that I am, I just said to him, get on the plane. It's fine. And I went to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he arrived at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'll forget. I'll never forget this day. Um, on Purim, actually, it was. It was Purim at 4 o'clock oh, in the my, afternoon. The timing of that. Picked, wow. It's amazing. The timing was incredible. I picked him up at the airport at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And at 8 o'clock in the evening, Bibi Netanyahu went on television Good. and said that they were closing down the airport. And anybody <laughs> who was coming into Israel would have to be in quarantine for two weeks. Oh, my God. So, uh, Ian just missed that. Right under uh, the gun. Call a kabodian. Right Ian. <laughs> we, we put him up in the Don Hotel in Tel Aviv. Okay. There were four people in the entire Don Hotel. Wow. Hey, there you go. People. So, they, you know, it was amazing. They, the first night... We went into the streets of Tel Aviv. It was Purim. Everybody was dressed up. Everybody was celebrating. Ah, uh, he so was amazing. incredible. He was bowled over. Um, the next day, we went to the baseball field. We invited all the kids to the baseball field. In two days, he was in Israel. I think he saw about 600 kids <laughs> on the baseball field. Um, he signed autographs. He, nice. he, you know, he was talking to them. He was, he was working with them. Um, and the last day, we, we took him to the interior ministry. And they told me in the interior ministry, they said, what, he's from America? We don't want to see him. He's diseased. He's got some kind of crazy disease. We don't want to see him. <laughs> I said, listen, he's come all this way. He wants to get his citizenship yeah. and everything. They said, okay, but he's got to wear a mask and gloves. Okay. And at the time, the mask and gloves was like, you know, unheard of. Yeah. You know, today, it's nothing. Yeah. But at that time, it was unheard of. And I said to Ian, this is what you've got to do. And he said, no problem. Whatever needs to be done, I'll sure, do it. Sure. And he came to the interior ministry, and he got his, he got his passport. Um, and the next day he went home, 
and and then COVID hit and everybody else was home and nobody knew what was going on. And we had Zoom calls with the team um, all the time. You know, we were always having Zoom calls. Right. And, you know, guys were working out at home. They were just, you know, they couldn't leave their homes. Yeah, that's something, that's something significant, Peter, because it wasn't just, you know, Team Israel and baseball. It was all these athletes, all these elite athletes who've been training for years, uh, you know, to do this. And, you know, in a way, yeah. that in and of itself, being able to still show at the Olympics and, and get where you needed to go, and the fact that each and every one of those players was dedicated. They were on the Zoom calls. They were doing what they needed to do at home. Yes. And it's, you know, that's something. So a huge call of vote to all of all of them, and, and you, Peter, and all of the people who are, um, you know, managing and, and moving the parts and doing all of the planning and, you know, a lot of the not-so-fun and definitely not uh, glorious aspects of this. But, you know, yes. I think that, and the thing that I want to just remind our listeners is that, you know, you are you are mentioning a lot of things. Israel is the underdog, right? You know, no, everyone had like counted them out, whatever, and yep. um, all of the obstacles put in the way. But I think that, and this is something, you know, part of the whole point of Talk Israel, and I'm very grateful to CRS Radio for allowing me this platform is to bring people information about Israel that they wouldn't necessarily know. Or, you know, let's talk about the, the people of Israel. And, I, and Peter keeps using this word, Sabra, Sabra, Sabra. So I, I want to just kind of explain. So if, if, our, if any of our listeners are not familiar with, uh, you know, the Sabra fruit, it's kind of it's prickly on the outside, uh, like many Israelis. But all my Israelis know I love them dearly. I love you all very much even the ones that annoy me. It is. It's a cactus fruit, but inside it's so delicious and sweet and gooey and fantastic and wonderful. So for people who have no idea what that is, I've, I've decided another one. And Peter, please feel free to tell me what you think. If this is an, is an okay, not equivalent, but a, a say, you know, Israelis are also kind of like mangoes. Like those suckers are so freaking hard to, you know, get them open and peel them appropriately with the pit thing in the middle. But like, if you stay dedicated you know, and you are in, they are so delicious. And you're like, you know what? I want another mango because that was delicious. So if you can like just sift through that initial stuff, and that's the thing. Israelis are incredibly well, resilient. You know, absolutely or not, oh, it no, is not like an mangoes. issue. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, Peter, but you know, I'm trying no, to make okay. it a quick one. I like sabers, but I don't like mangoes. I know, but you know, we don't have, like, I don't know that I could go to the grocery store in the New England area and say, I'd like, you know, to find sober food. I don't know that I could. Right. I've not looked that hard, but I don't know that I could. Um, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that is, I think this is something, you know, very, very noteworthy. It's like, no matter what's come in our, um, you know, in our, in our tracks, it's like, okay, but we're going to overcome, we're going to overcome, we're going to overcome. And I think that that is yes. something really beautiful and, you know, one of my favorite things, and, and I am hoping that through, you know, having you on the program and talking about Team Israel Baseball, that we're not just educating those who are in the U.S. about Team Israel, those who are in the Caribbean, those who are listening to us, because people are listening to us all over the world, but to the Israelis that are listening to us or who are going to listen to this on the streaming service after, you know, um, for, you know, for the Israelis, like, look, baseball exists, but for everyone else, like, this is something about Israel. And I think that this 
you know, this, this perseverance and, and it is very, very important um, for people to know because Israel is surrounded by neighbors who do not really like them and do not want them to succeed. And it's without, without that mentality, Israel wouldn't exist today. Um, so I think that what you guys have done. I like, with, to say, I like to say we're nice people in a bad neighborhood. You know what? That's a, that's a really perfect thing that you guys are wonderful uh-huh. people in a bad neighborhood. And, and I want to share a quick, a quick little tidbit. And then I want to play a song that you and I have discussed before, but um, I want to play it for people because I, you know, again, it just goes to this point, like it's about overcoming and really, really knocking it out of the park, you know, to use our, you know, baseball. Right. So, um, you know, I was in Israel. Um, when did I do the stupid thing? Oh, the summer when I was over there this summer and I was so eager to get out to the streets to do some filming that my wonderful friend Gilad, who I worked with a million years ago at the, uh, the consulate of Israel in Boston, you know, he says, Oh, like, um, you know, you should, you know, write down the name of the hotel where I'm working. So when you're done, you know, I'll, I'll help you get to wherever you need to go. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I put it in my phone, right? Because who writes things down anymore? You just put it in your phone. And he's like, do you have everything? Are you sure you have everything? I'm like, yeah, 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 I packed it. I packed it. It's in my bag. It's in my backpack. No, I did not. I did not pack my portable charger, which was in my suitcase that I left with him. Um, and my phone died. And I realized at some point that I was like, oh, I've been walking for so long. I have no idea where I was. No idea. None at all. And I was like, huh. Um, I don't know what to do. And I'm standing there and I'm like in my head, like, Anya, what, like, what were you thinking? Well, I'll just put it in my phone. Well, guess what? Dummy, your phone's dead. So I'm, I don't think I was paused for more than 30, 45 seconds, honestly. I had three different people come up to me, and in Hebrew asked me, are you okay? Do you need something? And I was like, and then, you know, and I was so kind of overwhelmed that someone would even stop and ask me, what, like, did I need some help? I guess I must have looked like I needed help on my face, that I was like, um, oh, uh, you know, and I was frazzled because obviously I understood what they were saying, as I was trying to answer in Hebrew, but I, I was just like more mad at myself for being so silly. And they're like, Oh, English, you need English. And I was like, no, no, my phone died and I'm supposed to meet my friend. And I, <laughs> I don't know where he works. They're like, Oh, what's the name of the hotel? I'm like, yeah, no, it's in my phone and my phone's dead. And so one, one person's like, Oh, that, you know, that coffee shop right there, go, he has a whole thing of chargers. So I went to the coffee shop and I explained in the best Hebrew I could. And then I was like, meet there on And he's like, yes, of course I speak English. And I was like, Oh, okay, good. My phone's dead. I'm like, I don't drink coffee, but I'll pay you for a cup of coffee. I just really need to charge my phone. He goes, no, 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 go ahead. And, you know, and then he says, Oh, you know what? This one's not that great. He goes, go around the corner. My friend owns a pizza place. Just, he has Wi-Fi too. Uh, tell him that I sent you and, you know, tell him to give you his charger and the Wi-Fi. And so I sat there for a few minutes, charged up enough to, you know, ask, you know, to message my friend, where are you? I need to, you know, I, and he was like, where have you been? I've been calling and calling. I'm like, my phone died. And so, but it was just one of those stories where I was so touched by how helpful people were, you know, 
And I'm not going to go around saying like, oh, that doesn't happen here or that doesn't happen there. But I do think that this mentality, this communal mentality, because they are very nice people living in a, you know, bad neighborhood, um, that they, that you do look out for your neighbor. And I think that that goes to this, you know, um, this mentality, um, something that I know, you know, Eric and I had, had talked about. And I think that that's one of the reasons that Team Israel is so cohesive. It's, it's we, not me. You know, and it's, uh, there's no I in team. You know, I'm sure someone has had a coach has said that. But in baseball, you really are a team. And on that note, I wanted to just take a quick pause because I want to share this song that I had shared with you uh, from an Israeli musician who has a song about baseball. And it's entitled Home Run. And I have to, this, so this musician is Or Georgie. We will speak to him um, later on, you know, talk Israel on another date. But I have to thank him for that episode. And all I have to say to people is, I guess they'll have to stay tuned to find out, does he really sound like that when he's speaking English with that very heavy accent? He may, or he may not. But I know that, Peter, I played this song for you, and I was like, I feel like this would be really fun for you guys. So I wanted the listeners to hear it. Plus, you know, if you need to get, a, you know, a drink of some tea or some water, I wanted to give your, your poor voice that I know you're suffering uh, just a chance there to, to uh, you know, have a minute. So I'm going to put this song on, and then we are going to come back to the journey. We're almost there to the Olympics because I have some questions about the Olympics I want people to Peter, I'll be, you can take a break with this, okay? Okay, thank you. אורברן, מי מוכן לתת את המכה בכל זמן? אני חיכיתי בנחת, אני קראתי את התחת, מוציא איך הכדור מהמגרש. אורברן, מי מוכן לתת את המכה בכל זמן? אני חיכיתי בנחת, אני קראתי את התחת, מוציא את הכדור מהמגרש. הזדמנויות לא מגיעות פעמיים, בוא נוותר על השריקת פתיחה. אנשים כבר כותבים את הפרקים של הסיפור שלהם, אני עדיין מעצב פריחה. אני לא ממהר לקטלג את עצמי, שואף גבוה לפעמים אני הורג את עצמי, אבל תראה שיהיה ביום יפה עולם כזה שבו אני עולה על ביפה מהנג את עצמי. מילים טסות בכסף סופרסוני גם עם קילו ריטלין, אתה לא מרוכז כמוני, זה נראה לי פרואטי, הם אומנים בספגטי, כי לידי הם ברמה של ציורי מקרוני, אז מכאן אל הבנק, בא עם טנק ומסור ענק, בא לי ג'אנק פוד על הרף כי זה צ'יפ. דוחף להם פתקים כי אני קוטל אותם, אז תגיד לי אתה מיידית. אורברן, מי מוכן לתת את המכה בכל זמן? אני חיכיתי בנחת, אני קראתי את התחת, מוציא את הכדור מהמגרש. אורברן, מי מוכן לתת את המכה בכל זמן? אני חיכיתי בנחת, אני קראתי את התחת, מוציא את הכדור מהמגרש. הנה הרגע מגיע, תשים הביט ליציע. 12 רמות מעל מה שהכי טוב הציע. בא עם המלל הבועט, משאיר את המיקרופון לועט, אני מרים את העט, חודר להם לראש כמוקלי המתחילים להזיע. זד, כאן, נותן פאנט, שורף, טעם, טעם מאיתכם, זה וול דאנק. יושב על המלל ומסובב את התמל שמסרב לקבל איזשהו מת כבר. זה ברור שאני בא מפתח תקווה. לידי אתה רמת גן, ממאית השנייה שיהיה המלחץ על הפליי? לא נשאר לך הרבה זמן. אני עושה כאן היסטוריה, אתה זמר בתיאוריה, תן כבוד כמו ליורם, גאון על הטראק, אז תביא את המחבט כי מה שג'ורג'י בא לתת, יעיף לכולם את הראש מחוץ לפארק! אורברן, מי מוכן לתת את המכה בכל זמן? אני חיכיתי בנחת, אני קראתי את התחת, מוציא את הכדור מהמגרש. אורברן, מי מוכן לתת את המכה בכל זמן? אני חיכיתי בנחת, אני קראתי את התחת, מוציא את הכדור מהמגרש. אורברן, מי מוכן לתת את המכה בכל זמן? אני חיכיתי בנחת, אני קראתי את התחת, מוציא את הכדור מהמגרש. אורברן, מי מוכן לתת את המכה בכל זמן? אני חיכיתי בנחת, אני קראתי את התחת, מוציא את הכדור מהמגרש.
Okay, welcome back. So that was Home Run by Or Georgie, who will be on the program later. Um, and I will, and I do have to, again, Kolokavon, thank you, Or, because I do love my intro oh so much. Um, he's such a trooper, but like a typical Israeli, I called him up, you know, and I said, Or, you have a really good accent. Will you introduce my show? And within like two minutes, he had sent me like eight different versions to to decide. So I, um, you know, no, like, oh, I'm busy. No, I said, look, I, you know, I need something. And he knows, like, you know, if you say I need something, and they can help you, and they will help you. And you know, I'm I'm just very grateful. Um, I have met him through a network of wonderful, amazing people who are all going to start to appear on Talk Israel um, because. That was a rap song that I remember going, wait, what? Like, there's rap, a big, like, there's such a huge movement. Um, On a side note, in Israel, um, you know, or in a bunch of other uh, musicians from all over, like, people whose family have made Aliyah or returned, you know, like you were talking about the program uh, of, you know, returning home. Uh, there was a rapper from Russia, a rapper from France. There was a rapper that grew up partially in the U.S. and partially back in Israel. And I went to one of their concerts. It was so amazing, honestly. It was just so interesting to hear. And it just made me really, really happy. So um, I know that you guys have talked. I know he is eager, eager, eager to uh, meet Team Israel. And, you know, uh, you know, full disclosure, or was not a huge knowledge, uh, did, did not possess a huge amount of knowledge about baseball, but he is getting there. And, you know, after a couple of the games, he would message me and he's like, could you break a couple of this, these things down for me? I'm like, no problem. Um, and, you know, I think that, I like that these little, like these little glimmers of, oh, it's becoming, you know, um, more well-known in Israel, in addition to the fact that Israel baseball is gaining respect in the community overall of baseball. And I'm talking international baseball. So on that note of international baseball, I I don't want to quite skip to the WBC of this year because there's something really important we need to hit. Okay. First, sorry, I had to take a quick sip of water because I just needed it. Um, so, you know, we had the emotional journey. You guys are headed to the Olympics, and I am going to refer for a second to a, a, a piece of of the uh, the film "Swinging for Gold." You know, because there was something that it kind of goes to something that frustrates me pretty regularly that you know we don't hear on the news overall, be it, um, you know, because it involves Israel. Uh, unfortunately, Israel has a, just a, they're in a rut uh, with the news media. So there, there was something that the players talked about. And, and I think that what, what I value so much is that, you know, yourself, I know Eric was on as a coach there and the players were very open you know, uh, I think I think this was, was like you had given them each a certain amount of cameras to, to document, right? Like, I mean, and who wouldn't want to document? This is like a once-in-a-lifetime experience to be able to participate in the Olympics. And, you know, the majority of people out there uh, may not even know someone personally who's had the privilege of going to an Olympic. You guys are, as a team, and again, a team, not competing as an individual athlete, competing as a team. So there's this, this constant, you know, um, De, you know, dependence 
uh, but in need, you know, and it's an importance because you're building, building, you know, that rapport. That Israel faced. Listen, the Olympics. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, the, I mean, the Olympics is something that when I was a kid or growing up or everything, I, you know, it would, the opening ceremony would usually be on a Friday night, and we'd gather around the television and right. watch the opening ceremony. It was pretty amazing with the guys and the flags and everything, seeing all the countries and everything. Sure. And it was, you know, it was a lot of fun to watch. And then the next day, maybe the events would start, and you'd be seeing all these events that you never see usually, I and mean, you only see them once every four years. Oh. Um, and it was pretty amazing. And here we were going to the Olympics. Wow. You know, it was like, oh, man, you know, it's, it's real. It's, it's really happening. Um, and it's really, it's really going to be there. Um, and we had this, uh, this uh, mini camp uh, for preparation in the United States, in the Northeast United States, for the two weeks before, prior to having to fly to Tokyo. And all the guys came together, and it was a very exciting time. It was, you know, the COVID was going on, still was going on. And, right. uh, this was, we're talking about the, uh, the, the spring, the July 2021. Um, the Olympics were starting at the end of July, and this was mid-July 2021. So obviously all the guys still had their masks on, right. and we asked everybody to keep their masks on. I remember the first day that we came together at the hotel um, in upstate New York, uh, Tal Arel, one of our Israeli players, one of our Sabras, they were all Israeli, this is one of our Sabra players, uh, called me up and said, listen, I'm outside the hotel. I just got tested positive for corona. Oh, And it was for COVID. And uh, I said, okay, hold on. And I went out there and he was uh, like, you know, 20 meters away from me. And we were talking to each other. And I said, you know, how did you do it? He said, I just went to a drugstore. I wasn't feeling well. And I went in there and I got tested. Um, and what do I do now? And he was together with another roommate in the room and everything. And I, you know, we, first of all, we separated the rooms. We put him in the room by himself. I said, don't be with anybody else. We made sure that food got to him all the time. In the end, it turned out that he was he didn't have Corona. He got tested a, a, a couple of days later. Everything was fine. And he joined the team together. But that was the beginning of something that happened in those two weeks before going to Japan, where it was just a lot of uh, false positive tests. Oh, yeah. A lot of concerns about Corona and COVID um, and being making sure that we weren't, you know, we weren't getting exposed. The last thing we wanted to do, I mean, we had, you know, we had, we had, we were going to take 24 guys. We hadn't chosen the last 24 guys. So we still had about 28 or 29 players. We had to make the final right. cuts. Um, and what was not shown in the movie um, was that 48 hours and 72 hours before going to Japan, according to the Japanese authorities, you had to test, the whole team had to be tested for right. uh, uh, COVID um, in test tubes and everything. It had to be done by a special lab. It <laughs> came to us to do the testing. Oh, excuse me. All before, right. And 72 hours before, one of our coaches tested positive. Oh, and 48 hours before, <laughs> Danny Valencia, our star player, also <laughs> tested positive. And I was sure that 48 hours before we weren't going to Japan. And the last thing I wanted was to go to Japan and have somebody test positive there. Right. And then have to be in a hospital in Tokyo for 24, for, for two weeks uh, all by itself. Oh, God, um, yeah. And I was just saying, you know, this is it. We're going to cancel. We're not going right. to go. Um, in the end, it turned out that both those test results were false positives. Um, we all went to Tokyo and the guys did get uh, five cameras. The, the, the television crew gave them five cameras because nobody was allowed in the Olympic Village. Right. Um, Nobody was allowed at the stadium. I know that was crazy to watch on TV. Just the the nobody. But since we're talking about, listen, I was the only one. I when the games are on, I'm not in the dugout. When the games are on, I'm floating around the stadium. (laughs) Here I was floating around this empty stadium. The only live person walking around the stadium. (laughs) I would yell down to the guys, and they would look up at me, and you know, all hear me. Yeah. Yeah. 
So for me, it was an incredible experience to be there. But that, that was the Olympics. That was the Olympics at the time. And there also wasn't much exposure with other delegations because other right. delegations didn't uh, want to come near you. Um, a, because we were an Israeli delegation, which is not that well received. Um, and B, also because of COVID. So I kind of want to... I want to talk about that for a second. So okay. I... I have to say, like, I have a lot of respect for the Tokyo Olympic Committee because it was the first time that there was an acknowledgement of what had happened in the Munich Olympics, the slaughtering of innocent elites, you know, these Israeli athletes that went in a world game where everyone is supposed to, you know, act properly and, you know, and it was, and the last time Israel hung a flag in the village until you guys were there. And that's when I, you know, got the elbow from my son watching the stop crying, you know, because I was like, and, and I have to tell you, and I, in a way, I wish this was a video broadcast because I would have shown like when you were talking about the emotional part of even Germany, I got goosebumps and, and I, I don't know how to explain this to someone who, who isn't able to trace, you know, but any sort of like genocide or hatred, anyone who's experienced that because it's happening, it's, it's happened in other countries and it's still happening and it's disgusting. And I, you know, there are, there are really no words for it, but I, I have to say that that was like, wow. And I, and so I First have, all, there was, there was more than that even because, um, whenever an Israeli Olympic team goes out to, to the Olympics yeah. uh, over the last 25 years since the 20, since what happened in Munich, mm-hmm. um, there's a ceremony being held with the whole Olympic team in Tel Aviv at the memorial site where there's a beautiful memorial site for yeah. 11 athletes who were killed. Yeah. And the, 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 um, the widows, two of the widows, there are two widows who are mostly involved in that. I don't remember right now their names, but two of the widows are mostly involved in trying to have the, the Olympic committee uh, um, do some kind of ceremony for their their husbands and their the others who were who were killed in in, in Munich. Yeah. Um, there was something four years ago at the Olympics four years ago, but it was a ceremony that was done off not in the opening ceremony. Yeah. It was done later. It was done during the Olympics and they had a ceremony there. Mm-hmm. Um, they were telling us that they were working. They were working tirelessly for thirty or forty years before uh, since then. Um, to get the Olympic Committee to do something in the opening ceremonies. Yeah. They weren't sure that it was going to come. The new head of the Olympic uh, organization, who happens to be German, um, and he replaced the uh, the South American guy, mm-hmm. um, he was he was much more sympathetic to their cause. Yeah. And there were rumors that maybe there would be something at the opening ceremony, but nobody knew about it. And the only time, the first time we heard about it was when we walked onto the field Oh, you're kidding stadium, me! Walking into the Olympic Stadium, we didn't know it was going to be a, there was going to be a moment of silence. Oh my God! And we I'm... walked into the Olympic Stadium, and and it was empty. Uh, you right. know, there were a, a, couple, a few hundred people there, um, but otherwise it was a sixty thousand seat stadium that was Correct. empty. Yeah. But all the delegations were walking out, and the television cameras were on. Obviously, and you were smiling for the television cameras. But we walked out there. We were in the middle of the thing, and then it was a moment of silence for the Munich 11, for the 11 Olympians, yeah. Israeli Olympians who were killed. And that was an extremely emotional moment for us. Yeah, That and was incredible. That was really incredible for the first time to have that. And I thank you for sharing that. I really do, Peter. I thank you for sharing that because I remember watching and yeah. I was like, oh my God. And I'm thinking like, it's about time. And so really, like, I, I do, 
and I don't know if it's the, you know, because he's from Germany, a lot of the guilt, like maybe he had some ancestry. I don't know. But anyway, guilt or whatever got him to, to turn the tables to finally do it because it's long, long, long. It was long overdue. Um, so I, I, and I don't know his name, but well, I will Two months later, two months later, he came to Israel, and they had another memorial service in Israel, and they invited all the Olympians to be there. Very nice. Um, and that was also extremely emotional because yes. also the widows and the families were there. Oh, the yeah. kids of the athletes were there as well. Right. The ones who were killed, you know, they're, they're right. now in their 50s and 60s. Right. Um, and they were there as well, and it was just an incredible emotional scene. Right, because... Really, El Arad, obviously, El Arad is the is the new head of the Olympic Committee, the chairman of the board of the Olympic right. Committee. And she also has, you know, she was the first gold medal for Israel in the Olympics. Correct. And she has her own legitimization of there. Yeah. And she's also been fighting this for the last 20 years to try to get this, uh, this ceremony. Yeah, and I and I, I do want to, again, say, like, that I, I know there's always a lot of, you know, controversy with different things with the Olympics and the Olympic Committee, but I really, like, much love and respect and um, a huge, like, you know, Tozaraba and Akolika votes because, you know, it, it takes one person, Peter, and you know this, it takes one person to stand up and do what's right. And, you know, something that's important to me is this idea of like standing up, doing what's right, be the person, be that person. And so thank you for for him to say like, it, again, if it were for all the work on, on behalf of the people who, you know, in Israel who were vying for it. And the reality is, you know, there are some families that the lines ended with those, with someone, one of those 11, because, you know, it's that that's where, you know, there, there aren't children or widows or something to carry on. So it yes. is so important uh-huh. that I, I, I want to touch on that. And I just really want people to know that because that was a huge, huge thing. And then, um, you know, my emotions turned. By the way, uh, his name is Thomas Bach. Thomas He's Bach, I'm going to look you up. This, yes. is, this is, listen, this is being broadcast internationally, and then uh, it's downloadable on streaming services. So for everyone to hear me, I'm going to look him up and, and reach out to him and, and talk to him and at least let him know that I, it, it meant something to me. So um, that being said, that, you know, that was that point in, in when watching the film. And, and again, Peter, thank you so much for allowing my son and I to join in that really special moment of, of the sure. movie. Uh, but then my emotions turned. And I kind of want to pick your brain about this just for, for a few minutes because I think it was very brave of the team to share this. And I know, I don't know because I haven't experienced it. I'm not an elite athlete. I've not been to the Olympics of any shape, shape or form. But I do know that the, the, when they interview athletes, they always talk about the pins, right? And it's the, the, the practice that, you, yes. you know, you give your country pin to someone and they give you their country pin. And then you acquire all these pins. Right. And you meet athletes from different teams or sports or, you know, whatever it is at that Olympics. And I think that this is something that to me was, was noteworthy. And I want to take a minute and pause and talk about it because it really irked me and rubbed me the wrong way. I'm trying to, you know, very politely and politically correct without, you know, swearing online or anything. It really, it really made me angry that the fact that, we even watched because some of the the guys were filming. Other athletes not even acknowledge their existence in front of them, and they talked about like, the blatant anti-Semitism that they faced, and they talked about um, you know, and you know, to me when I face that, you know, I. I want to reference, and I don't know if you if you've seen this because you you were probably in in Israel at the time, but there was a a musician who who I will not name, 
who said some very, very anti-Semitic and obviously very ignorant, all the people like that do is show their ignorance, uh, things about Jews. And Natan Levy... We heard it in Israel as well. Yeah, yeah. No, but Natan Levy, who is a very, very talented um, MMA fighter, who is Israeli, he does train in the U.S. because I think most of these fights are like in Vegas and other places. But I was watching a clip of him after his fight where he like annihilated this opponent. And instead of asking him like about the fight or the opponent, they're like, oh, well, what do you have to say to so-and-so? And I refuse to say his name. And no, we will not say his name on my broadcast because I will not give him the time of day um, about that. And Natan Levy said, well, you know, I don't tolerate hate of any kind. And if you have a problem with me or my people, you come find me. Let me know, bro. I'll meet you anywhere you want. Then we can discuss, right? And I was like, yeah. But he said it politely and eloquently. And, you know, I just, I have so much respect for him because instead of, you know, getting angry or whatever, you know, he was like, yeah, bring it. And I love that the, the I have to say that I think the, the all of the players really held themselves like menches. I love that the flag was hung. Like, yeah, we're here. And they were, you guys were even more separated within the village because of security concerns. And, you know, high security to Israelis is not, is not a thing, right? You know, um, but we, and we can, we can talk about that, you know, later, like what, what, you know, actual like higher security means. And if anyone's ever been through Ben Gurion airport, it's definitely the safest place on earth. And I must apologize to the person in the passport area. When I made a joke, it was clearly not funny. Uh, (laughs) But I, I just want to mention that yeah. the, the, the anti-Semitism that we that we faced in yeah. the Olympic Village, um, it was it, it was shown in the movie and it yeah. was made a little bit of a, too much of a big deal in the movie because um, first of all you have to understand I mean everybody was in like a gilded cage yeah because uh, you could not leave the Olympic Village right nobody could leave the Olympic Village right um, can't, which can't was difficult but on the other hand you know it's a gilded I call it a gilded cage because <laughs> you know you're I mean, the, the rooms are, are terrible, and the beds are made of carton, and we have the bedding, you know, which we won't mention at all. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, you know, so it's very difficult conditions. On the other hand, you have a dining hall, which is open 24 hours a day, and, you know, has all kinds of amazing foods, and you have uh, gym facilities and everything, but right. there really wasn't that much to do except to go around and exchange pins. Right. Most of our guys exchanged pins, and other right. people took the Israeli pins, and they took Good. them readily. Well, I, and there I were hope a few so. situations where there was anti-Semitism, right. and their backs were turned. And it wasn't just Arab countries, because there were plenty of Arab countries that oh, did yeah. that. But there were also Arab countries that took our pins, and okay. exchanged pins. Yeah, else, listen, uh, what's, uh, and what's, happily, and, uh, yeah. what's the airline that's flying into Israel now? It's the Arab Emirates, right? Yes, yes. Yes. And, yes, and I, I have remember. to say yes. that looks like a very fancy plane. But so I, I oh, do, yeah. but I'm glad that it, it was it was spoken about because that is something that happens. And I think that the reason I bring it up, and yes, it was mentioned in the film, but the reason I bring it up is because every time those players put on the jerseys, they're saying, "Yeah, I'm Jewish. I'm here. I'm proud." And it's it's one thing because. You know, you're playing for your country, but when you're playing for Israel, you're playing for your country and you're playing for your heritage and your religion. And I think that that is something so monumental. And I think, you know, I, I wish that I, I don't even have the words, Peter, to be honest with you, to, to describe what that must feel like, what a privilege that must be. But I have to say, and this is where I want to transition to a little bit, like before we run out of time for the WBC. And I also want to say I successfully got you to stay the whole time almost. Um, <laughs> I owe you one now, but, um, 
you know, we, we came down to, uh, my son and I were down and we were at one of the exposition games and, you know, and of course I, you know, Sally was in his um, team Israel Jersey um, that Eric had given him. And I was in my team Israel shirt that I bought at an exposition game that you guys played at the Hartford Yard Goat Stadium before you went off to the Olympics. Um, And I have to say, Uh I said this to Eric, and I think I said this to you. It was so amazing how welcoming and appreciative and accessible the players were to the fans that came to support them. And when we were at the screening of the movie, how I have to say like what mentions those, 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 players are because my son is 15 years old and his 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 whole world like his like his passion is baseball and right. you know you saw he has the custom glove with the star of david he has a different one with the um the israeli flag embroidered in it, in on it and you know he had everyone signing that glove and like i have to tell you that those signatures mean more to him then and he has some stuff, some very nice stuff, and you know some mantle, some uh, you know judge stuff. Like there's there's stuff. There's definitely stuff from major league players over the years. But the thing that means the most to my son right now is that glove. And yes, there are some some well known players that sign that glove, and then there's some other young uh, not, not some men who sign that who aren't as well known to people in this world. But that glove means more to my son than anything I could ever express to you. So. I am going to get emotional for a second and tell you about that because it really, really meant the world to me that when I, when I spoke to you and explained, you know, what I wanted to do and bringing you on the show and all that stuff, you were like, that sounds great. What can I do to help you? Mm -hmm. And even though you're American born, you are a Sabra, Sabra, Sabra. So call a to your wife because she's clearly gotten that into you. But I, I have a feeling that's your Nishama, which you were born with. But, um, you know, I, it was a wonderful, well, I, I mean it, Peter. And, um, you know, you will see me in Israel. You Listen, you, you're not going to uh-huh. be able to get rid of me because in, you know, in two plus years. No, I want to see you in Israel. Listen, I want you to live here. I want you to come well, live here. We are, we are coming and we are going to work on all that paperwork, um, you know, but there's, as you know, life is a little complicated, especially when you have kids and you have to, sometimes you have to put yourself right. on hold a little bit for the kids. Um, and so a lot of my, my stuff is with, you know, it's in the back and forth, but I am going back and forth because of work and, you know, I will, I will be there for, for sure, Bakrov soon. Um, but I have to say, you know, at this world, the world baseball championship this year, Israel, you know, everyone was like, oh my God, Israel's in the death pool, the death pool. Like, oh, and I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, you, you pull Puerto Rico, uh, Dominican and like you know if anyone's a major league baseball follower there's a lot of Dominican players that play in the major league so it's like no, the problem was that we we were a team of uh, minor leaguers and a couple of major leaguers right um and they were te- they were teams, teams of major leaguers yeah yeah no, but superstar major leaguers exactly major leaguers but superstar yes. major leaguers yes but can I say Peter and I don't know who's who who this was if it was Ian Kinsler's decision or who was ever decision but in that last game um, to start the game with the the 19-year-old pitcher uh, yes. for Israel. That was the third game. Oh, the third game. Sorry. And I was I I was listening, Peter. I was back in my shirt. I had my oh, I also had my Team Israel socks on. Thank you, Eric Holt. Two, two uh, weeks ago, two weeks ago, I spoke to his father, who also yes. happens to be the basketball coach of Yeshiva University. Ah. And I told him that I'm not sure if Jacob's going to make the team or not. Yeah. 
And two weeks after that, not only did Jacob make the team, but he also started against the Dominican Republic. Yes. And he also struck out Manny Machado. Yes. Which was amazing. And uh, yes. he was just, and he came off the mound after two and a half innings, smiling, the biggest smile that could possibly be. And everybody in the dugout saw that. I'm sure everybody in the stadium saw Everyone it as well. Everyone saw it, yeah. And he was just, a, he was just, it was just a thrill for us as well yeah. to have him out there. One thing I did want to mention is that we were, we were very disappointed by the, uh, by the Jewish community in Florida for not coming out and not supporting the team, not at the exhibition games, because it was a, it was a pity that that exhibition game against the Nationals, uh, where we were dedicating our the jersey to the fa- to the father of the Nationals to um, to Ted Lerner, yeah. who had just passed away a month before. Um, that not more play- nor more Jewish people came out, even though I tried as much as I could you did to get try. the Jewish federations you did. and societies to come there. And also in our games against Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and Venezuela, uh, there was 95% the opposing team and yeah. maybe 5% of the, of the crowd which was Jewish. And we have plenty of Jews in South Florida and plenty of Israelis in South Florida. Yeah. And I don't want this to seem like criticism or anything, but we actually asked the MLB to have a start in the United States because we wanted to start in the United States yeah. after having started in 2017 in Korea yeah. because we felt that we could have a much bigger crowd there and much more support. Um, and it was lacking. And uh, I hope that it won't be lacking in three years before back in the WBC in three years, because our goal was to beat, beat Nicaragua in that first game. Yeah. And we did that, and yeah. we guaranteed a spot in the 2026 uh, WBC. So we hope we start again in Florida, and the Jewish community gets a second chance to uh, to come out and support us. Well, I, I have a, a, a bit of a proposition for you on that. How's, how, let's, let's, let's do it. Uh, let's... I love getting proposition by you. <laughs> listen, Peter, so far, <laughs> listen, and full disclosure, it's, it's all on the up and up. It's all on the up and up, ladies and gentlemen. But I have a proposition for you. So listen, I promise you, and you know that I definitely was making call after call after call when I was down there. I was only able to be down there because I did have to deal with some stuff for my family, some legal stuff for my dad. My dad was living in Florida. I had to to take care of some family stuff, so it worked out perfectly. But I did have to return back. Uh, My son did have to return back to school. I don't know how they would be like, oh, yeah, sorry, we're just going to be hanging out for the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so unfortunately, we weren't able to stay for more than that one exposition game and that uh, and the the movie. But I promise you that for the next World Baseball Classic, and I am saying it first on CRS Radio, the Knowledge Station, that this is going to happen. And I think that so for those who know me, if I make a statement, I will follow this up. I promise. Um, that is a goal of my son. He would be eligible in that year and whether or not it works out in that way, my son and I will be there. We will be supporting you and I will come around. Even if I have to go to every single synagogue myself and Chabad and Jewish community center and be like, new, what's up with you people? Like, let's go. Yalla, let's go. I'm not taking any, but a yes, Anya, I understand I will be there because those who know me, when I make a statement, I am making a statement. So, Peter, I promise you that Bizrat Hashem, with God's help and my annoyance and perseverance, we will have a much stronger support for you. I promise you that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very okay. much. So everyone heard it here first All on right. CRS Radio, uh, and that's what I wanted to transition to because you guys – 
did make that stand. And, oh, my God, I was jumping up and down at that game and everything else. Um, it was really um, – it was just such a great moment. And I, and I have to say, Peter, because, I mean, you were – when I saw you at the exposition game against the um, – uh, oh, my God, the, 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 the Marlins. Thank you. I'm like, Miami. It was Miami. The Marlins. Uh, you, I don't know someone that works harder than you, but you know, um, that's, that's, you're such, you're good. You know, everyone, everyone wanted a piece of Peter at that game and Peter was running here and Peter was running there. And, you know, I took a bunch of pictures for you guys and I tried to do whatever I could and it was funny. And I don't know, cause I most certainly did not look official in my shorts and my t-shirt, but many people started asking me questions. Um, I don't know if it was the flag around my neck, uh, cause I travel with, I always travel with more than one Israeli flag. One is in my pocketbook or purse, however you want to call it, my bag all the time, Kol Yom, every single day. And then when I'm traveling to something, the bigger one comes, uh, but not the big, big one. Cause that's a little hard to schlep around. Uh, also it doesn't, you know, you can't wear it as well. Um, and the reason I carry the bigger one is, as you know, I put it on you and Jordy to, for that picture, um, because it was just a moment. But I have to say, I really, a very genuine and appreciative thank you to law enforcement in Jupiter, Florida. Um, they were so on top of it. I saw them outside doing sweeps, and they really, they had amped up security uh, because, you know, Team Israel was there. Because, unfortunately, we, we are facing right. that kind of hate, you know, everywhere we go. Um, but I, I really have to say, um, I don't know that these types of things are noticeable to all people. Um, I know that, you know, yourself, any of the Israelis that were there uh, would notice because, you know, the security is different. But I really have a big thank you. And one of the, uh, his, name was, his name is Chad, one of the uh, law enforcement officers, and I don't know his rank, so I don't want to disrespect him. So, Chad, please, no, I just don't know your um, ranking. Uh, he was one of the ones that was going on with the dog and then was in the stadium. And he had a lot of very genuinely um, just genuine questions asking about Team Israel and um, just, and he was like, yeah, you know, I think it takes a lot. And he was just, he had so much respect for the players and for you guys and the organization. And he's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, I can't imagine facing that all the time. And I said, you can't imagine you're a cop. Not everyone likes cops. Like, and he's like, yeah, that's true. Um, but it was just such a beautiful, genuine moment. And I think that, you know, what you guys have here, um, and this is the kind of thing um, that Peter, I, honestly, it's it's a lot of your hard work that this is 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 happening and it has grown and and everything and um, that it, the team Israel baseball has this opportunity to really unite and reinvigorate the American Jewish population, which in my opinion is very much lacking in its support for Israel overall. So it's not just its lack of support for team Israel, and I hope Peter that. I can, you know, uh, side with you and, and help you promote in every shape and form that I can because it goes to my, my passion project of, you know, educating people about the culture of Israel, the people of Israel, and everything like that. So I just, I hope that, you know, together, together we can do this because, again, much like baseball, it's a we, not me. And it might be my passion and your passion, but together we, we as a greater community, and I don't just mean as a Jewish community, Peter, because not all our listeners are Jewish, and you don't have to be Jewish to love or support Israel. I, I know a lot of love and support comes from, um, you know, different 
backgrounds that there's some friends I have who are devout Christians and they are very interested in Israel and have so many questions. So I do want to say like, it is a we, not me. And together we can, and CRS radio, um, we are going to be bringing over. Yes. Thank you. We are bringing over um, a large American celebrity uh, a, a year from April to do some concerts in Israel and like a tour around Israel. So we will make sure that we see you, but, it is important that we, you know, together we, you know, combat this, you know, certain nonsense that happens and together we can, we can really overcome stereotypes and, and ignorance and all these things. And so Peter, a huge kolokobod, a huge todaraba. So that's a thank you very much. And like much love and respect for you, Peter, because I, I thank thank you. you. And I, and I honestly, I try not to get emotional, but I I am a bit emotional person that Uh I couldn't think of a better way to kick off my first Bizrat Hashem of many shows talking about two things that I love very much in my life. Yes, I love my family and my friends and everything. But like you said, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got married and had three kids, you know, (laughs) Peter loves you to his kids and wife. He does. Um, But, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got this other stuff going on, but I love Israel. I love baseball. Baseball is a, a life teaching game. It's a life lesson teaching game. So, um, you know, thank you so, 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 so much. Um, Peter, I will put up links to you. um, And if anyone has any questions, you guys can hit me up on my social media. I am on Facebook on Anya Farber. My Instagram is Anya underscore think underscore differently. You can find me on CRS radio network. Um, And I think we're going to leave with yet another song, Peter, that I want you to have in your mind. Which I think can play you out. Yes. Thank you, Anya, and thank you, everybody, for listening, and good luck to you and your show. Thank you. And smooth sailing all the way. Thank you so much. Definitely, this is definitely good. So we are going to bounce it out with Nissan Black's Motherland Bounce. I think yet another good song for uh, Team Israel to have. This place is a dope. We are royalty. We must go back to our place in Kiswana. No. I don't think you can hear us. So yeah. We are um, staying right thank here. Good. I'm this sorry that I kept you on, but thank you so much. Um, we'll, we'll talk in a few. I'm gonna give you like a week or so to come in and talk about that, okay? Okay. Here. Here we go. For the motherland. Yeah. We gon' play it loud and till it's till it. Yeah. Yeah. We gon' blow the roof up off the building. Yeah. We gon' play that motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce. We bob yeah. black and get a shopping with a Sammy Davis cousin. Tried to dodge the industry, but now my name is buzzing. They all saying that I'm conscious. I say that it's nonsense. So I say I've been on since on. Had an on switch from Seattle, the rainy city where my mom lived. In Jerusalem, the golden city that was conquered. But still we moving onward. Motherland conquest. Smell me like an armpit. Yeah. Yeah, we gon' play it loud and till it's till it, yeah. yeah. We gon' blow the roof up off the building, yeah. yeah. We gon' play that motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce. Check it out now, motherland bounce.
else we bother. My mama told me that I read good. Been on my straight and narrow, but my history is Z-hood. Thank God today that we could buy a box of Cheerios or kicks. I can even buy tricks. I'm no longer on wit. EBT car rip in my passport lit. Sent like a notary from every country that I went. Ain't a country like this from the others you've been sent. Black is beautiful. This gon' be the motherland hit. Yeah. Yeah, we gon' play it loud and till it's till it, yeah Yeah, we gon' blow the roof up off the building, yeah Yeah, we gon' play that motherland bounce Check it out now, motherland bounce Check it out now, motherland bounce We baba Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we gon' play it loud and to the tip. 